Hey, what's up, you guys? This is Bert. I'm the lead pastor at True North Community Church. Thanks for tuning into our podcast. I'm going to have a little something to say to you at the end, but for now, let's dive in. Morning, everybody. Welcome to church. We're really, really glad to have you. Uh, if you're new to our church or new-ish to our church, a uh, very special welcome to you today. My name is Bert. I'm one of the pastors here. And today we are diving back into a series of messages from the book of James. Uh, and if you were here last week, you heard Bobby kick things off really, really well. He did an incredible job. If you didn't get a chance to hear that, I want to encourage you to go online and check it out and download it so you kind of know where we're headed. Uh, but if you are new, or you're, maybe you're new to church, maybe you're new to this whole thing, when we say we're going to the book of James, what we mean is there are 66 different books in the Bible, 66 distinct literary works, and one of those particular books was actually written by the biological brother of Jesus Christ. James was Jesus' brother. And so where we began last week was, was this. When we first encounter James in the New Testament, he is a skeptic. Like, he doesn't, he doesn't believe that his brother is the Son of God. And we're going to cut him some slack on that because... You have a, right, I can't, raise your hand if you have a brother. Anybody, you got a brother, raise your hand. Yeah, okay, some of you guys got a brother, right? What would you do if your brother claimed to be God? I mean, how would you, yeah, you'd do, you'd laugh. And some of you are like, yeah, he tried that once, it didn't work. If your brother claimed to be God, you wouldn't buy it. You wouldn't believe that. You'd be like, oh, come on, dude. And that's exactly what happens. When we first encounter James, and Jesus had not just one brother, but brothers, when we first encounter Jesus' family, okay, you know, it's Mary and Joseph. We see Mary and Joseph in the birth narrative, you know, the manger, the Christmas stuff. We, you know, that's, that's, that's Jesus' nuclear family. But later on, Joseph and Mary have other children. Jesus has brothers. And so these guys don't believe it. Later on in his life, as Jesus begins his public ministry, up until age 30, he's a carpenter. He's just a member of the family. But at 30, he begins what we understand to be his public ministry. And he starts to say things about himself that make everybody uncomfortable. Jesus starts, he's got a way of making people uncomfortable. He still does. But he starts talking about himself in such a way that sets everybody's teeth on edge. His original hearers, the first people that ever listened to him teach, his original followers, the religious leaders of the day, and certainly his family got really, really weirded out when he started talking about being the Messiah, started talking about being the Son of God. Now, many people through the ages, you know, and this might be another thing for you, like if you're new to church, maybe for you, Christianity is boiled down for you to the teachings of Jesus. And there's a lot of people over the years that have wanted to separate the teachings of Jesus from the other part. And the other part is the idea that he claimed to be the Son of God, so we can just forget the, the fact that he claimed to be the Son of God and just keep all the teachings. And I guess if you want to force it, you can pull that off. But the truth is, Jesus did say those things about himself. That's what got him executed. The reason the Roman government executed him was he claimed to be the Messiah. So when he first started making those claims, his brothers are around him going, dude, seriously? Like you could kind of, can you imagine 
the interchange between them? Like, just think about it for a minute. If you're, if you're, if you're just listening, James, can you imagine James talking to his brother? This is James just talking to Jesus going, dude, seriously? Come on, Jesus, it's, it's me. It's Jimmy. What, what is this with this Messiah stuff? Come on, tell me, tell me the truth. We're, we're brothers. We used to give each other wedgies. Come on, what, what, what are you talking about? Why are you talking like this? Are you cr- We're worried about you, man. And so, like, exchanges like that were absolutely happening. Jesus was at odds with his family, and it tells us in the scriptures, he did miracles, and people came to believe in him all over the place, except in his hometown. In his hometown, everybody's like, nah, man, we knew him when he was a kid. We're not buying it. But then when James shows up on the scene, an interval of time later, James begins his writing when he, the biological brother of Jesus, puts the pen to the paper to record his account of what's going on and to, and to, and to write some words to the church. James begins, and clearly there has been some kind of a conversion in James's thinking. James has now come to believe that his brother was, in fact, the Son of God, and he has now come to say, he is not only the Son of God, he's my master. Now, I don't know about you, you, if you have a brother, you would never refer to your brother as your master. Like, that's just not done, okay? You know, that's the kind of thing, like, you, if, you, if, you're, if you're with your brother and you lose a bet, okay, you have to be my slave for a day, oh, whatever, right? No, James is saying He's my master. My brother was the son of God, and he's my master. And what, what, what could have taken place? I mean, what, what precipitated that change in thinking? What triggered James to go from sarcastic brother to believer and servant? In my mind, there's only one thing that could have, could have caused it. I mean, what would your, what would your brother have to do to convince you that he was God. I think he'd have to pretty much rise from the dead. Right? Because that's what happened. Your brother would have to predict his death and then predict his resurrection and then die and then pull off the resurrection. If your brother did that, you might believe. That's what happened to James. The thing that precipitated the change in his thinking was not a new understanding of the wonderful teachings. It wasn't a new appreciation for the nuances of Jesus' philosophy. No, no, and no. This had nothing to do with his teaching. James was changed by the resurrection, and now he believes. So he's putting the pen to the paper to talk to to believers everywhere. We we began last week in chapter 1. Bobby got us through verse 18. We're picking it up today in verse 19. This is James chapter 1, verse 19. Understand this, my dear brothers and sisters. You must all be quick to listen. Slow to speak and slow to get angry. Human anger does not produce the righteousness God desires. So get rid of all the filth and evil in your lives and humbly accept the word God has planted in your hearts for it has the power to save your souls. Okay, so James begins, and James is like, James is punchy. James is really quick. You know, and he gets up in your face quick. You all must be, this is James writing to believers everywhere, you guys need to be quick to listen, slow to speak, 
and slow to become angry. Regrettably, I have to confess that that is not true of me. I don't know if you can relate to that, if anyone else can put their hand up and relate. Like, that's not true of me. I try to be quick to listen. I want to be a good listener. I do try to do that. But I'm not slow to speak. I'm quick to speak. And the anger thing, sometimes that comes up too quickly. And there are times I find myself, have you ever, let me ask you a question. Have you ever found yourself in a discussion with somebody or found yourself, maybe, dare I say, in an argument with somebody? Have you ever observed that the person with whom you're talking isn't actually listening to you? They're just waiting for you to take a breath so it's their turn to talk? You ever seen that happen? You can tell right away when that happens because nobody's really listening anymore. No, there, there's no real discourse happening. There's no meaningful interchange of ideas or thoughts. And honestly, at that point, there's really no mutual respect. It's just one person talking over another person talking over another person because that person that you're talking with, they have a point that they'd like to make. They have a story they'd like to tell. They learned something somewhere. They picked up some pithy little piece of wisdom from somewhere that's going to help them appear to you in a more favorable light and perhaps win some respect. So they can't wait to tell that story or say that thing, and they're not really listening to what you say. They just want to say what they want to say. And if they are listening, they're not actually interested in your opinions. They just want to hear their opinions coming out of your mouth. Did you follow me on that? Yeah. We observe that sometimes in other people. Maybe we might observe that in ourselves. That's what James is calling us to do. We all must be, this is for everybody, quick to listen and slow to speak and slow to become angry. To seek first to understand before we seek to be understood. Did you catch that? To seek first, and this, 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 you don't even have to be a, a Christian for this to, to, to make sense. This is just a good idea categorically. To seek first to understand before we seek to be understood. To listen first. You know where that never happens? On Facebook. This never happens on Facebook. Facebook, it's just one shouting match over another over another. And I don't know if, if you guys are paying attention, right? This past week, there was a Facebook outage. Facebook and Instagram went down for half a day. Some of you guys just lost your ever-loving mind. I don't know if you guys are paying attention to the news. There was a significant incident this week with regard to Facebook, and, and, and maybe you didn't know this, but Facebook and Instagram are the same company. There was a significant incident with somebody very high up the food chain at Facebook, somebody at the executive level within Facebook, who revealed documents that, that Facebook had been working really hard to keep hidden, revealed documents that showed a direct correlation between Instagram use and elevated levels of anxiety, depression, and even suicidal behavior amongst teenagers. A direct correlation, in no way a coincidental correlation, a direct result of having exposed yourself to Instagram and what's on there. And, and look, I'm, just so we're clear, I'm not like, uh, I, don't, I don't mean to be draconian about this. I don't believe, well, okay, I'm not really sure what I believe about social media right now. I'm in process. But I'll tell you this. I'll tell you this. I deleted my stuff about three or four months ago. 
I took Facebook, I didn't just abandon it, I deactivated it. I'm actually no longer to be found on Facebook anywhere. I, my Instagram page is still up, and they keep trying to like reel me back in. I get emails from them. Hey, so-and-so just posted something. You should check it out. Or, hey, you have six unread messages on Instagram. If you messaged me on Instagram, I didn't get it. I'm not looking on there right now. And I feel freer than I have ever felt. I'm going to tell you guys, I took, last week I took a little road trip. I took some really cool pictures of stuff. You know what the best part of the road trip was? Not posting anything about it. Just, thank you. Thank you very much. <laughs> Just going, you know what? I'm going to appreciate this. I may share this with a few friends who might like it, but I don't need to blast this out to the whole world. Now back to Facebook, okay? Facebook I don't know if you knew this, but face, the, the Facebook algorithm intentionally promotes controversy. It is designed, let me say it differently, it's designed to promote lunacy, specifically. So if, if a comment is made and uh, comments are made on the comment, you following me? People start commenting on a post. It starts a thread, and you can have a sub-thread, and a sub-thread, and a sub-sub-thread as people comment. The crazier the comment, and the crazier the, the commentary, the more Facebook boosts that post. So if, for example, somebody says something that you agree with, or something that you learn from, and you, in a moment of clarity, say to, say to the person on Facebook, Wow, that was really, really cool. Thank, that's actually a great point. I never saw it that way before. Thank you for helping me understand this differently. That comment is going to get buried. The comment that the algorithm is going to promote is the one that says, no, you're out of your mind, and I hope you get hit by a bus. Because that's what's coming. That, that, that's what stirs things up. That's what creates more clicks. That's what keeps you scrolling. That's what Facebook is going to do. So I, I mean, personally, I've never been happier, and I'm not making a pastoral ruling on this. I'm not giving you some sort of an, an edict on this. But I'm going to tell you, man, I really want to encourage you to think about just abandoning. I, I get it. Some of you may be like you use it to make your living, and there's other situations. I understand, I understand, I understand. And I get the hypocrisy. Before you email me, I know that our church has a Facebook page, and I know that our church has an Instagram page. I'm aware of that. Uh, you know, we'll see. But, <laughs> but, but I want to encourage you. Like when James says, when he says, get rid of all the filth and evil in your lives, would I be overstating things to say that Facebook is a cesspool? Would I be overstating? I don't think I'm overstating that. And some of you, like, okay, and some of you, and some of you, you well-intentioned, like, good people out there, you're just thinking, yeah, it's such a dark place, I'm going to be a shining light. I'm going to be on Facebook, and I'll be, the, I'll be a shining light, and I'm just going to post good things, and I'm just going to post Bible verses, and I'm going, to, I'm going to be the one that helps Facebook become a better place. Just would you, On this, I don't mind being direct. Would you just listen to your pastor for a minute? Facebook doesn't need missionaries. Facebook needs deletion. Facebook doesn't need missionaries, it needs deletion. You're not, you're not doing yourself any favors, you're not doing anybody else any favors. I know, this is just my opinion, but I am right about this. Okay, so, um, all right, now, 
this is uh, continuing on, continuing on. Okay, I've had, you should know, I, 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 have, I am very tired. I had, we had our men's summit this weekend, and I did three different messages, Friday, Saturday, Friday, Saturday morning, Saturday night. This is the fourth different message that I've preached this weekend, and this is the third time I've delivered it. So I'm like exhausted, I'm kind of on fumes, but I'm kind of psyched. Okay, so here we are. This is, this is uh, verse 22, same chapter. But don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you're only fooling yourselves. For if you listen to the word and don't obey, it's like glancing at your face in a mirror. You see yourself, walk away, and forget what you look like. But if you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free, and if you do what it says, then, and don't forget what you heard, then God will bless you for doing it. James is really clear. Like, he's saying, you keep hearing things, but you're not doing anything different as a result of the hearing. So it, it seems to me James is pretty sick of people who confess to believe in his brother with their mouth, but deny him by the way that they live. And he's fed up with it. And he's like, listen, if you want to do right, you have to actually, and you want to live according to the way God wants you to live, it's going to require behavioral changes. There are going to be times when you and I need to make course corrections, when we need to change some things about ourselves. Because otherwise you're just listening and listening and listening, and there's way too much of that in the church. This is the thing, you know, pastors hear uh, more than anything that people, you know, people hear from over the years. You know, um, thing that pastors hear and the things that I've heard, uh, thing that I've heard many times, we just want to go a little deeper. We want to hear some more deeper teaching. When are you going to go deeper, you know? And, and, and there are some of you, if you're new to church, that would never occur to you to think that. But if you've been in church for many, many years and you've been to Bible study for many years and that's kind of your thing, you might be out there and you, you, maybe some of you guys are just like, you want me to start unpacking the Greek and you want me to give you all the cultural nuances of what was going on in that time. And I, the deal is, I've, I've known, here's the problem, okay? Yeah, I didn't say this in either of the first two services, so this is just for you. Ready? I've known way too many people who've been going to Bible study for 30 years, and they're still mean. <laughs> still unkind. Not reflecting Jesus to the world around them. But they know their stuff, man. They know, and they know, and they know. It's just, oof. We are called to live differently. So our church, in case you're new or newish, when we talk about going deeper, it isn't about acquiring more knowledge. It is about greater application of the things we already know. To do what God has called us to do. Otherwise, you, it's like you glance at yourself in the mirror and forget what you look like. Now, what does that mean? That's weird to you and I. Who, would, who forgets what they look like? Well, here's the deal. When you... When you see a mirror, you see a perfect reflection in the mirror. Our mirrors are really well made. We have, 
we have great technology with which to make mirrors. I don't actually know that much about how mirrors are made, but I know there's glass and there's silver backing involved. And when you look at a mirror, when you go into any bathroom that you've ever been into, or any hallway in your house maybe, or when you flip down that little visor on the sun visor in your, you know, in your car, and you look in what we understand to be a mirror, you see a perfect reflection of what's in front of it. What's being reflected might not be perfect, but it's a perfect reflection of what's in front of it. That was not the case in the first century. There were no mirrors as we understand them when James put the pen to the paper. In fact, the only way in the first century a person could know what they look like would be to look into a pool of water. You could see your reflection in a pool of water. Other than that, that you couldn't really tell what you looked like. The mirrors that James referred to are pieces of metal that were probably bent and pitted and poxed and, and not really accurate indicators of how a person looked. So if you were looking in a mirror in the first century, you'd really have to squint and sort of do one of these to sort of find a, a little spot in there that would reflect a little bit of what you look like. People in large part, did not know how they appeared. And this is what James is saying. If you just take in all this knowledge and it's just more, 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 deeper, 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 but it never, it never yields, it never results in different living, you just forgot what you look like. You don't know how silly you look to God. You, you don't get how ridiculous that is. You glanced at yourself and forgot what you look like. What's required of us is some different living. What's required of us is that we walk the earth differently. And then he continues. He says this. This is uh, verse 28. Oh, and here it comes. Ready? If you claim to be religious, but don't control your tongue, you are fooling yourself, and your religion is worthless. How you like me now? Your religion is worthless. I'm going to read that again. If you claim to be religious, but don't control your tongue, you are fooling yourself. And your religion is worthless. Pure and genuine religion in the sight of God the Father means caring for orphans and widows in their distress and refusing to let the world corrupt you. If you, yeah, we, uh, yeah, clap it up for the word of God, absolutely. It, this, so, so James is like, James is not holding back. James is like, yep, I, don't, I am sick of this. I am sick of people who claim to follow my brother with their mouth and, but deny him with their lifestyle. They say one thing here, they say another thing here. If you can't control your tongue, then your religion is worthless. You have no kung fu. There it is. You got no kung fu. You need to go back to the Shaolin Temple and take some lessons. You got nothing. Your, your religion is worthless and you are kidding yourself. If, you're, if, if you are given to gossip, if you're given to slander, if there's something in you that's always like, like you, you don't listen and you speak too much and anger comes up and it's constantly vitriolic and what you are putting out there into the world around you just corrupts everybody and makes the world a worse place. How can you claim to be God's emissary on this earth? How can you claim to be in any way a follower of Jesus if that's how you live? 
You can't live like that and say that you're his follower. It's a contradiction. Now, we all know that, but it's, isn't it kind of refreshing to hear it called out? I, I love these verses. And I mean, I'm convicted by them, and I have work to do as I read them. But I just love how quickly James gets to the point. Pure religion, pure religion in the sight of God is to care for widows and orphans in their distress, to find the people or people groups around you who are in distress or who are in pain or who are suffering, and in some tangible, ready way to help them, to care for them, to befriend them and to protect them, to do the work that God is calling us to do on this planet. And you don't, have to, you don't have to be a genius to just see, honor God, love others, serve all, broken down in these texts. There's a pastor I respect very much who once, somebody came to him once and said, you know, we just, we want to do more and we want to go deeper. And he said, you ready to go deeper? Here it comes. Brace yourself. Here it is. Ready? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength and love your neighbor as yourself. And when you get that covered, come back and see me and we'll go deeper. And nobody ever does because nobody ever gets that covered. Jesus says, this is the summation of the law and the prophets. Here it all is. Love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Love and serve the world around you. And let it begin with how you process words. Quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry, to operate with kindness, to cut from our life the filth that corrupts us, and to say, I want to walk this earth a living, breathing representation of God. I want to make the world a better place. I want to play the part God gave me to play in his amazing story. You don't have to go become a pastor or become a missionary or do some dramatic, crazy career change. All you need to do, maybe, is delete or significantly cut down that social media usage so you stop taking in so much poison and make it your business to love the world around you, to walk the earth with gentleness and humility and care for those around you that we might actually reflect God to everybody and not just, not just hear about it and not just come to church every Sunday and take it all in, but actually live differently as a result of having heard it. May that be so in my life. May that be so in all of our lives. Amen? Amen. 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 Let's pray. <laughs> Father, we love you very, very much, and we thank you for James and his writings. These words that are so confrontational and so a little just up in our face, they set us on edge, but they bring some conviction, Father, for each of us. We all have it in us to take this stuff in and then shrug our shoulders and live no differently. Father, would you work on each of us and nudge each of us to better reflect you to the world around us? Would you nudge each of us and dare I say, Father, even bring conviction to each of us that we might set aside 
the things that corrupt, that we might set aside our tendency to be quick to speak and quick to become angry and walk the earth honoring you, loving you with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and loving our neighbor as ourself. May this be so in all of our lives. We pray together in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, thanks once again for taking the time to listen. It's an honor to have you with us. If you'd like to support our church financially and help us continue to put this content out there for free, that would be a really big deal to us. We're completely supported by the contributions of the people that come to our church. And if you'd like to help, you can do that online at truenorthchurch.net slash give. Or you can do it with a text message. Just text the word TRUENORTH to 77977 on your cell phone and you'll get a prompt leading you through how to do that. Thanks again for dialing in. See you soon. Bye-bye.